Boys and girls, I have some unfortunate news for my elementary school class today. Um, this year's pumpkin patch, I mean pumpkin parade, is canceled. Sorry, everyone. Um, excuse me. Why is it canceled? Yes, Amala? Why, why is it canceled? It's canceled because the pumpkin parade historically marginalizes students of color who do not celebrate the holiday. So if one person is offended by any holiday, we no longer celebrate that holiday. Well, I don't get it. I don't celebrate the holiday, but I could just sit and watch a movie and everybody else could do the pumpkin parade. That is unacceptable. Everyone needs to know and be sensitive to how oppressed you are. And no one should enjoy good things if one minority person does not celebrate but that holiday. Really, I'm saying it's okay. You can you can really do the you can really do the pumpkin parade. Stop internalizing your racism. Okay? Look, Halloween is canceled. <laughs> We're, and by the way, you're no longer allowed to say happy Halloween. Just start saying happy holidays a month earlier because we have to group every holiday together and just because we never know who celebrates what. So happy holidays, Amala. Wow. And scene. <laughs> How sad is that? That's that's very, very sad. This is a story out of Daily Wire. Let's read the headline here. Seattle school cancels pumpkin parade for marginalizing people of color. School will encourage autumnal work and sharing all the cozy feelings of the season instead. <laughs> uh, when you think things can't get any more ludicrous, they get a little bit more ludicrous. Let's let's see what the reasoning is behind this. How could a pumpkin parade in the fall time in the in the month of October be marginalizing students of color? Guess what? I'm about to tell you. <laughs> uh, a Halloween theme parade at a school in Seattle has been canceled with school administrators arguing that it marginalized people of color. Following five years of deliberation about the future of the school's annual pumpkin parade, Benjamin Franklin Elementary School has decided to nix the holiday tradition this year on the advice of the school's racial equity team. Good job, racial equity team. <laughs> they just fix everything. Any problems in society, racial equity teams find them and find ways to fix them. They don't make new problems. Right. They fix existing ones. Yes. And so thank God that this racial equity team is saving Halloween or saving us from Halloween. We didn't know how much it was harming us and how much it was harming these poor minorities. But <laughs> right. But now we know the racial equity team. Yeah. So you may be wondering, I still don't get it. How does a pumpkin parade marginalize students? And I tried to think, I tried to think of my own excuse for how a pumpkin parade marginalizes students of color. And I couldn't think of one. I, I thought maybe they were going to say costumes or cultural appropriation or something along those lines or that, I don't know, a kid might dress up as a police officer and that's traumatic. <laughs> that's triggering. <laughs> that's triggering. Uh, someone could do a blackface, God forbid. Yeah, leave your guesses down below, officer. guys. Yeah. How is the pumpkin parade how is the pumpkin parade marginalizing students? Leave your leave your other guesses alone. I'm going to tell you how it's marginalizing students, according to Benjamin Franklin Elementary School. Historically, the pumpkin parade marginalizes students of color who do not celebrate the holiday, a spokesperson told Jason Rance, a Seattle-based conservative radio host. Specifically, these students have requested to be isolated on campus while the event took place. In alliance with SPS's unwavering commitment to students of color, specifically African-American males. The staff is committed to supplanting the pumpkin parade with more inclusive and educational opportunities during the school day. Now, in place of the pumpkin parade, students at the school may participate in autumnal work, whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what autumnal work means. It's like, okay. Is that like raking leaves? I was just going to say. That's the autumnal work I had to do as a kid. <laughs> they just give the, give the kids some rakes and have them just like, just rake up the schoolyard, just clean up the school. <laughs> um, and thematic units of study about the fall. They might also look at sharing all the cozy feelings of the season. What oh, is going no. on? What is going on? I don't, I, I, leave it to these people to find pumpkins, some, the problematize pumpkins, problematize a pumpkin parade. Like this, it's the most 
stupid, innocuous thing to have. I mean, it's great. It's part of if you, why would you change it? It's already called the pumpkin parade. Why do you need to change it from that to something that celebrates the cozy feelings of the fall or that's autumnal? Pumpkin parade is very autumnal and it's very cozy <laughs> feelings of the fall. I don't understand. Well, here's they, they, they clarify a little bit. Halloween events create a situation where students must be excluded for their beliefs, financial status or life experience. Cus- Costume parties often become an uncomfortable event for many children, and they distract students and staff from learning. What is going on? Now, let's just, let's, let's step outside of the fact that this is a Halloween party for children. Obviously, this is quite insignificant in the grand scheme of things, but again, these insignificant stories speak to larger truths. What we are now doing is saying that because a, a couple students at this school uh, don't celebrate Halloween because of religious beliefs or or family beliefs that we are now going to alienate everybody at the school. Now, nobody gets to celebrate a holiday, which is widely renowned, nationally recognized here in America. No, none of the people at school get to experience this because a couple students don't celebrate Halloween. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I was in school, there were certainly students who didn't celebrate certain holidays. It was against their religious beliefs to do so. If you know, uh, Jehovah's witnesses, they, uh, famously do not celebrate holidays that we celebrate and what you do is those kids go and they have their own little i don't know pizza party and they they watch a movie separately from the other kids while the other kids do their thing yeah i mean i'm my parents didn't let us really celebrate halloween until i got to a certain age um but because they're like conservative christians and our we had like church you know fall festival or hallelujah night or something where we still got to do candy and stuff but but even then, like when we'd go to school, it was just like a, a cutesy little thing where the teacher would give us candy corn and wear a pumpkin sweater and throw some little cute ghosts up around the, the classroom and decorate. And I, I loved it. That's where like, I love Halloween today. And I, we're like, I would do a Halloween party with my wife and like, we're, we're into it, but not, not the like demonic stuff, but just like the, the cutesy stuff. But it started in, um, in elementary school just by enjoying that stuff even though like uh, my family didn't participate in it and like to your point we work with plenty of jewish people here at PragerU, and they still wish us merry christmas yes and have do. absolutely no problem with the fact that we uh, christians celebrate christmas now there's so many people in the comments right now saying why does this matter it's really not that big of a deal i why, why does anybody care about this guys <laughs> it's not about the issue itself it's not about the this exact story itself it's about the principle the principle that because something offends a couple people not even offends them they just simply don't participate in it that we're then meant to strip everybody else of that do you see how that idea and that thinking is dangerous it is extremely dangerous especially when it comes to children but let's look at it at a broader scale let's look at the Oregon high schools that ended up eliminating reading, writing, and uh, arithmetic requirements for students because black people were quote unquote marginalized or disproportionately affected by those things. What we do now is we identify a victim class when it comes to an issue and it's black people or it's Asian people or it's gay people or it's women. And then we go, because this issue affects these people, Let's just strip it away from everybody because I don't want anybody to be affected by this. I want to placate my reality to the reality of a few people and then push that reality on everybody else that's around me. And that is not okay. It's not okay when it comes to a little Halloween pumpkin parade. And it's not okay when it comes to academic achievements and standards. It's not okay when it comes to how we view the world. You don't get to look at two people who are who feel marginalized by something, even though I feel like these students have never even complained about this, and then go, you know what, let's strip it from our reality. Yeah, I have a funny comment here. Cameron says, um, as a Celtic American, I'm offended that they're attacking Halloween. So there you go. What are you doing here? You're marginalizing a minority American <laughs> group <laughs> right. um, in his own holiday. So... But they don't care. They Take only that, care. Libs. They only care when it's students of color. It's they're the fun. They're ruining everything. It you're is. Not, you're not allowed to have it, any uniqueness about you. It's like it's funny that these people, um, who are the diversity uh, champions, are canceling everything and making it so we can't have any uh, celebrate anything in American culture. It all has to be this 
you know, baseline gray area. No, uh, just, oh, we're just celebrating seasons. We're just celebrating, you know, they're taking all the, just sucking all the joy and fun out of life, um, out of this fake. No one's actually offended by this, but it's the virtue points that you get by finding something problematic and patting yourself on the back for being so woke. And uh, the net result is we all suffer by not having great fun things to rally around and share as a culture, by the way. That's how it, it ends up harming our, us as an entire nation and as a culture is we have fewer touch points around which we can share holidays. It doesn't matter if you're conservative, liberal, black, white, whatever. Mm -hmm. We can all celebrate Halloween because it's kind of like an American thing that we've incorporated into our traditions. But now, no, oh, it's disproportionately not celebrated by a certain community. So no one's allowed to celebrate anymore. Right. It's 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 ridiculous. Destructive logic. I had, I I think I talked about this on the show yesterday, but I had a friend who didn't celebrate Halloween. Uh, My, one of my best friends throughout middle school and high school, a black friend whose family didn't celebrate Halloween and didn't allow her to celebrate Halloween. And I still celebrate celebrated and she was fine with that she stayed home on that night and i would bring her my candy the next day and she'd get half of my candy that's it that's how we should treat these things there are people who don't celebrate halloween those people can do their own separate thing yeah as someone who sat it out like i wasn't offended by it i was kind of like that's cool i'm jealous can i have some of that candy right you exactly I mean? exactly and then you build a little a thick skin and you move on with your day yeah. speaking of moving on with your day a video <laughs> has gone viral uh and this one's of joe rogan and dr sanjay gupta who you may recognize uh as a, a featured face on cnn and they're talking about the the scoop on ivermectin and joe rogan's specific experience with this medication this this clip has been going viral so let's get into it Oops, sorry. Lie on a news network. It, and it's it, horse dewormers, not a flattering thing. I get it's that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network. It, and it's it, a lie that's a willing, that's that's a lie that they're conscious of. It's not a mistake. Yeah. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Well, the FDA put this thing out. You saw that. Did you see that thing that the FDA put out? What did the FDA put out? <laughs> it was a tweet, and it was snarky. I admit it. They said, you are not a horse, you are not a cow, stop taking this stuff, or something like Why that. Why would you say that when you're talking about a drug that's been given out to billions and billions of people, a drug that was responsible for one of the inventors of it making the Nobel Prize, Prize in 2015? 15, yeah. Yeah, no, a, a drug well, that has been shown to stop viral replication in vitro. You know that, right? I, I, Why would they lie and say that's horse dewormer? I can afford people medicine, motherfucker. <laughs> this is ridiculous. It's just a lie. I don't think anyone is thick. But don't you think that a lie like that is dangerous on a news network when you know that they know they're lying? You know that they know that I took medicine. Like, here it is. This is ivermectin. You got this it with it right you. here. Somebody gave it to me. All right, hang on. I, I, do see, you, the, the thing is, we're, we're, we're like going so fast. Like, I feel like I'm missing. I'm missing. Do you think I want that to, that's a problem that your news network was not, lies? Well, I don't. I don't. Dude, I mean, what did they say? They lied what did and they said say? I was taking horse dewormer. First of all, it was prescribed to me by a doctor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Along they with shouldn't have said a it was bunch of if, other if medications. Was, if you got a human pill because there were people that were taking it the veterinary medication and i you're not obviously you got it from a doctor so that it shouldn't be called that ivermectin can be a very effective medication for parasitic disease and as you say it's probably you know i think what a quarter billion people have taken it around the world more, i get that way more so way more can, billions can, of people have taken it can i just come back to the one i want to talk about I, two, no, no, two, no, no, two no, things no. on you the ledger to, you have before we get to that does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer. They, they they shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? I don't know. You didn't ask. You I didn't think that was did, your, you're the medical guy over there. I didn't ask. I should have asked before. But they coming did it with podcast. such glee. No, yes, Joe. They did. I watched. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Joe held his held his feet to the flames, which is what I truly appreciate. And that's what a good interviewer and somebody who wants to find the truth does. They don't allow you to just hop, skip, and jump over the, the actual topics that need to be talked about. He said, wait, no, hold on. How do you feel about the fact that your news web- network said this? How do you feel about it? And yeah, he couldn't did, answer. Did you see uh, Gupta's tweet, too? I think you can you pull it up real quick? Yeah, I'm going to pull it up for you guys. Here's his response. I walked into the lion's den and spoke with Joe Rogan on his podcast for more than three hours. Vaccines, ivermectin, and much more. Friends tried to get me to turn down his invite, but ultimately I'm glad I did it. 
Now, my question is, and this we we talked about this right before the podcast, we but did. why it, is it going into the lion's den to go on an interview um, to speak with Joe Rogan, who just asks honest questions? Mm-hmm. It's it's going into the lion's den because of your affiliations, because you know um, who you work for, and he's not used to stepping outside of his bubble and living in that world where they carefully craft the narrative in thirty second sound bites right. and. They take a video of Joe Rogan. He posted a. This started when he Joe Rogan posted an Instagram story after he got sick or uh, with COVID. He got tested positive, and his doctor prescribed him a whole bunch of stuff, including the medication they're talking about. Mm-hmm. And he posted a selfie video talking about it, and th- that sparked outrage all over the internet. Um, then and CNN reported on it. They even like put a filter on his video to make him look sicker when it, and on the selfie than it did on Instagram. That's crazy. And, and so Joe Rogan, it's walking into the lion's den because by going on Joe Rogan's show, you're just exposing yourself to be asked basic questions of why you're misrepresenting the truth. But if you only ever watch CNN, if you only ever tune in in the mainstream media, there no, there's never the opportunity to see them questioned or to have the narrative that they're pushing questioned. And he even mentioned how, by the way, it was interesting how the FDA put out that snarky tweet about, mm-hmm. you know, you're not a horse, so don't take this stuff. Right. When, if anyone should know that it's, it was um, given a Nobel Peace Prize for use on humans and that billions right. of people have taken it as they're talking about, um, it's it's the people behind the FDA. But instead, the, these keyboard warriors are putting out this tweet. And it's like there's this gated, closed off narrative that they represent to the world, these elites, and there's never the opportunity to poke holes in it. And that's why going on Joe Rogan was going into the lion's den for Sanjay Gupta, because he's stepping outside of the CNN bubble, and he actually has to stand by and be consistent on his logic. And this was such a great, like to your point, um, instance of Joe Rogan demonstrating just being a good interviewer and just saying, hey, no, I'm like, I'm not going to let you. I mean, he wasn't like hostile or like no, angry or all. anything, even though he had a right to be, I think. Yep. Um, but he was just like, hey, man, no, like you have to actually answer this question. Like, are you OK as the medical expert on CNN that your network lied about my the medication I was taking? Yeah. When you work for a propaganda machine that does nothing but put out lies for the most part, of course, going somewhere where people only speak truth is the lion's den. Of course, it's going to feel like you're going up against a lion. The truth is a lion when you lie all the time and when you propagandize what's happening right now in the world. And he felt that you can see the discomfort on his face. He tried so hard to run away from that first line of questioning of do you feel uncomfortable or are you upset that your network allowed these lies to be put out specifically in regard to myself? And you can see him. He's just like, I I can't, I don't want to answer this. I don't want to answer this because you know when you're confronted with the truth and when you're confronted with the failings of your ideology and what you've pushed for such a long time, it's a difficult conversation to have. And he deserves a little bit of discomfort for this, but I am glad that he actually showed up and sat down with Joe Rogan. That's more than we've seen from CNN in a very long time. Yeah, I mean, I will give him props for that. And I mean, the the path to the media gaining the trust of the American people again is to be open and have transparency and to, be, and to um, actually be able to stand by the things that they put out. And it's not just this closed off propaganda that you see, but um I made a note here I was going to bring, but now I lost my thought. No, you're good. (laughs) Uh, So Glenn Greenwald, he put out a thread alongside this with uh, everything that happened with Joe and Sanjay on this day. I wanted to go through uh, a little bit of the thread. So Glenn says, of course, the usual media villains spread disinformation and unhinged conspiracy theories, QAnon boards, Facebook boomers, 4chan teenagers. But corporate media outlets do exactly the same as a model on purpose. And it's far more damaging because their platform is bigger yeah such a good point they have the veneer of credibility and authority but they use that as a weapon to just push propaganda right perceived authority is so important and it is so powerful and that is what cnn has when you are a anybody you don't have to be a young person you can be anybody watching cnn there is automatically a a perceived hierarchy there that because they are on mainstream media because they have self-proclaimed experts on these shows that what they're saying is truth and and the, the through line of what cnn reports is meant to be truth so that perceived authority alone is enough to make your propaganda and your lies far more damaging than some teenager on 4chan or a qa non board yeah if you're the whole purpose of media is to convey the truth, to arm people with the truth and the facts so they can know what's going on in the world and 
make choices and live their lives as an informed. But the media has broken the their uh, the, their the central premise of their mandate, which is to be truthful. And we see that when one of their people steps outside the bubble, for they can't uphold two can't last for two minutes to try to uphold the narrative. Um, they can't up, they can't stand up to two minutes of questioning about it because it's it's it, it's just uh, a closed off, you know. They, that they that they can't defend, and uh, there's I've seen this quote lately that um, if it, if you can't question it, it's not science, and I think right. it's the same way. If you can't question it in the media, then it's propaganda. If yeah. it can't hold up to questioning, then it's propaganda. And and that was my experience on the left. Every anytime I got questioned, I was like, "How dare you? How dare you question a black woman? How dare you?" <laughs> and I just actually finished up watching Michaela Peterson and Jordan Peterson talk to Africa Brooke about her experience with that, and she echoed the exact same sentiment that oftentimes when she was questioned for her beliefs, her first her first instinct was to go, how dare you, and get super defensive. And if your beliefs do not hold up past skepticism, you probably don't have very strong beliefs and there probably uh, is not much support to back up the things that you're saying. Yeah, if you're interested in finding the truth, you invite as much scrutiny as possible right. and you invite as many questions as possible and you want to hear the best arguments against your position. Um, which, by the way, the media should be a forum to host, hey, here's the best argument on this side, here's the best argument on this side, decide for yourself. That's what it should be. Yep. But instead it's, here's what you should think, here's the approved truth by the experts, believe it, and anyone who says otherwise is a moron. And they can't help themselves um, but take shots at people who disagree, even when the people who disagree, like Joe Rogan in this case, are completely justified. And yeah. uh, this was a great little snippet where we got to see what happens when their narrative gets completely destroyed by truth. Yeah, absolutely. And one last note here from Glenn. He tweeted, over the last five years, the most disinform disinformation, lies, and demented conspiracy theories, and the most damage done have emanated from the corporate media outlets and that sermonize most. And they're the most sinister because they want to censor speech so only their lies are heard. And that is another part of it, <laughs> that they only want what they have to say to be heard. And it's not even at the point of, of dialogue anymore. You can, you can hold your beliefs and not have a dialogue with anybody for the rest of your life and just hold those beliefs and that's fine. But right. what they're now doing is saying, I hold these beliefs and if you don't hold these beliefs, you don't have the right to speak on, on these platforms. Yeah, it's like it's like not only will I give an honest representation of a the yeah, of both sides of a of a story, I'm going to stamp out one side from completely be, from being able to talk at all. Right, right. It's a whole different type of of sinister nature when it comes to just personal individualism and the the ability to just think for yourself. Whether you end on the left or on the right or somewhere in the center, everybody should have that right. But there is a group of people that want to strip you of that right to even have the ability to think and to to fall somewhere else on the line. And I don't care if you fall you could fall more left than they do. You have that right, though, and you should have that right. And there's a group of people that doesn't want you to have that right. And that's sad. It is sad. Yeah. Almost as like sad it. as pumpkin parades being canceled. <laughs> Almost as sad as pumpkin parades being canceled for a bunch of elementary school kids. <laughs> that is really sad. But good news today, guys. It's not all bad news. Oh, thank God. Yesterday was like so brutal because we had just so many negative stories. And actually, I found this. I need. I wish I could give credit, but if you look at the comments on yesterday's stream, yep. I found this because I said on the stream yesterday, um, I haven't heard any stories of Australian police who refuse to enforce the tyranny mm -hmm. that's happening. And someone left a couple of links um, in the comments on yesterday's stream on YouTube. And I followed one and we found this video. So check it out. Yes. Yeah, so let's hear from this officer. Behind that is all of my friends that are police officers um, that are working the front line and are suffering every day um, enforcing show directions that the vast majority or a cer certainly a great majority don't believe in um, and don't want to enforce. The, the consequences of me being here today um, is that I will be resigning from Victoria Police effective the end of this interview wow. because the consequences of me coming out publicly um, would be dismissal. So I'm choosing to quit and I'm quitting because I can't remedy in my soul anymore the way in which my organisation that I love to work for is being used and the damage that it's causing 
um, in the reputation of Victoria Police and the damage that it's causing to the community. Perhaps police are either feeling more emboldened to act the way they are in relation to these Tro directions is because of the messaging that comes from Dan. He's not acting... Dan? You guys don't listen to Dan, you listen to Shane, right? Well, Daniel and everybody listens to Daniel Andrews. He's the Premier of our state and he tells us what to do on a daily basis. So, Rita and James, that was Christy Mitchell. She's Christy Mitchell of the Victorian Police. Yeah, let's clap Christ. for Christy. <laughs> it's a sad, uh, it's a sad thing too. We're sitting here cheering her on, but she's leaving her profession. It's true. You know? It's a sobering thing, but it's better to quit than to be a puppet of tyranny directly. Yep. Yeah. And I, she speaks to the empowerment that a lot of officers feel now that they're being told by higher ups that they can just run around and essentially police people's lives more so than just deterring crime. Although much of what they are deterring, I guess, has been labeled a crime, but they feel emboldened as police officers because the higher ups are telling them it is now your obligation to keep Australia safe and it's in your hands. And this is why they're going out and beating and macing and choking people. It's it's a yeah it's propaganda i mean do you this is exactly why like you know i mean i everyone says don't make i mean i'm not gonna make a holocaust comparison but a nazi germany comparison like the hitler youth and mm -hmm. they they had to target these young uh men in germany to brainwash them from an early age it's like though this yeah. is for the glory of germany this is for this and this is for that and uh the parallel is very obvious when you're propagandizing your own police force to to deaden their souls against right. the you know that's what she said in this thing i couldn't i had to quit here because i could not in my soul reconcile what i'm doing anymore and thank god that she had a little bit of a soul left and i pray that these more of these officers wake up and that instead of them being emboldened by what the tyrants are telling them to do that they are emboldened to stand up for what's right and not tyrannize um, their fellow man right you know that there has to be there has to be more than than just this woman and she saw what's happening and it's unfortunate that speaking out and being dissident means that you have to quit your job that is super unfortunate so now who knows what she's going to do who knows how she'll be treated uh in the job market now in australia because we know that's crazy as well and that it requires vaccination yeah. so who knows what that's going to be like for her who knows that's if she can even leave the country now i saw i saw right. a tweet the other day of a guy screenshotted a or took a picture of a letter he got from the government saying he wasn't allowed to leave because the government didn't deem um, his his reasons for going on this business trip to Dubai sufficient grounds or, or like sufficiently beneficial to the interest of Australia to, to qualify as being able to leave the country. Right. Could you imagine being a prisoner in your own country? It's terrifying. It's terrifying. Just like you can't go out and get some sun in Australia because it's not essential anymore for you to do that if that, you're not vaccinated. It's non-essential sunshine. Non-essential. Who says you need vitamin D? Don't I don't care. No I don't care what the, what the health officers say. I only care what this health officer says. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is a great contrast to that video. We watched that video yesterday of a of an Australian police officer confronting someone on the beach for sunbathing. Right. And uh, this is a great contrast to that, that there is some kernel of sanity left in the Dan Under. And you've got to think that when the dust settles, hopefully the dust does settle in Australia, you're going to have a lot of low-life police officers who are going to feel hopefully very badly about the things that they've done. Uh, unless, you know, this just keeps happening and they keep being pedestalized for essentially abusing their citizens, which I just can't imagine that this people being so susceptible to tyranny and authoritarianism that all of these police officers have decided to go along with this. Yeah, it's funny. There's like we talk about the the thin blue line uh, that the cops are between mm -hmm. us and, and anarchy. Um, there's sort of a thin I don't know what color line, but um, on the the side of the police right now, where the ones who are unwilling to enforce tyranny are the only thing standing against them becoming a Gestapo, um, taking away everyone's rights and like the, yeah. you know the. The, that is the battle right now, and it's between the people who are willing to stand up for freedom, stand up for um, natural rights, and and stand up for the va the values of freedom and, and liberty, and those who are dead in their souls and are just going along and, and receiving the pats on the back from the higher ups and being willing to let that carry them to carry out atrocities. Right. The fight is on. The, the fight, fight is on, and the lines are being drawn in the sand. And you can stand on one side or you can stand on the other. And I hope you stand on the side of choice. Now. Now, a second piece of good news. Are you kidding me? Is this a record for our show? A second piece of good news? Well, we wanted the warm and fuzzy. <laughs>
fuzzy feelings of fall today. So. We, we did, as <laughs> opposed to it. our pumpkin parade. <laughs> <laughs> this is out of Variety. Netflix's co-CEO, Ted Sarandos, I believe is how you pronounce his name, is doubling down on his defense of Dave Chappelle following the mounting controversy around his latest comedy special, his quote is, we have a strong belief that content on screen doesn't directly translate to real world harm. Yeah, How about that? <laughs> How'd you like them apples? Yeah, I mean, there's an interesting through line here from a story we covered earlier this week on the John Gruden emails. Um, this NFL coach that was canceled for some emails he had sent privately 11, 10, 10 years ago um, that we're not harming anyone. We're sitting in an inbox um, that nobody was able to see besides him and the person, his friend that received them, but he used offensive language and he was canceled for that. And mm -hmm. the question that Matt Walsh and others were asking is, this is causing absolutely no harm to anyone. He's had no complaints from any anybody about that it's, that's actually been harmed. And I think that that's the same rationale that this Netflix executive is using that it's like, look guys, he made some jokes. And some people don't think they're funny. Some people are offended by them, but that's comedy. You get a peep. Sometimes people get offended by jokes, but there's, there's no evidence to show that anyone's actually being harmed by this special being on our platform. So we're standing by it and good on him. Right. You didn't see conservatives jumping down Dave Chappelle's throat when he attacked Candace and called her a loser and all this crazy stuff. Like, who cares? Everything is part of the course. Candace herself went on, went on, um, on, on air and was like, okay you know whatever like right. she, she wasn't like oh that was great and it's so funny haha ha, i'm a big loser right. but she didn't like get her uh get all offended about it right yeah she, she, it's she's a good sport yeah it's part of the course when it comes to comedy you can make fun of anything and that's what dave Chappelle does he does it in a very fantastic way which is why he is so famous so i'm happy to see that the netflix ceo is standing up for him and saying that this comedy special is going to stay up also if you haven't seen the comedy special go watch it because if you're reading the news headlines around this, you would think that it's the worst comedy. Like You would think that he just goes on a, a Nazi tirade for an hour and 15 minutes, and that's not the case at all. He actually expresses love for the transgender community and at the very end talks about a friend of his who was transgender who is now deceased and how much he loved her. So get over yourselves, man. Get over yourselves. This selective outrage is just... It's just that it's selective outrage, and it's f and it's fake too. Yep. I mean, it's held by a tiny percentage of loud woke people and the critics at Rotten Tomatoes who hated this. But ninety, it has like a what a ninety seven percent audience score, a positive or ninety nine percent positive. Everyday people are not falling for this BS. It's not offensive. It's comedy. Get over it and uh, move on. Yeah, and speaking of audience scores, we have a survey that we need you guys to fill out. We're gonna put it down in the chat below. It's also in the description below this video. It's a survey to talk about this show. How often do you watch? What do you like about it? What do you dislike about it? What segments would you like to see? How many days a week should we do the show? All that fun stuff we wanna ask you and see, see what's on your mind because we'd like to curate this show for you to have the best experience. So please fill out that survey as soon as you can. You can do it while you're listening to us right now. You can do it after the show. Just go and fill out that survey, buds. That'll be my, my I know there's not gifts on Halloween, but it's my Halloween gift. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a holiday gift because yes. we just don't celebrate Halloween. Right, right, right. We can't say Halloween but anymore. I, yeah, I just posted the link to the survey in the chat. So please, guys, if you get a minute, check it out. And if you're watching or listening later, it'll be in the description of the video or podcast. Appreciate you guys. Now, uh, hold on. Can we just address this real quick? Yes. People are asking, where's Will Witt? When's Will Witt coming back? Mm. And I think we need to give the people an answer. Will is still on his book tour. It's week three. It's almost over. It's it in the home stretch. It is basically over. Today it's over. Yeah. Today's his last, last day. Event. Last event. At Cal State Fullerton. Mm -hmm. And Amla is about to drive crazy person that she is three hours through traffic to get there, I think. <sighs> I'm such Did a I just out you? Are you people no, no, you can, they can, they can know. I will now be, people will show up. I just helped out the, you yeah, know, no one we, was going to go. But. They were not going to go otherwise, but I'm going to be at Cal State Fullerton tonight. <laughs> so <laughs> I watch people show up and be like, where's the Amla event, yeah. Will? <laughs> uh, but no, I'll be at Cal State Fullerton. I'm going to drive a ridiculous amount of time to go see Will on one of his book tour trips because I'm such a good friend, so... Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's like 45 minutes away, no traffic, but with LA traffic, it's literally like two and a half, two hours, two and a half hours. Yeah. But DM, so DM Will friend. on Instagram and say that Amla is the best. The best. The best. But Will, I think will be back tomorrow. He said he can come in for the show. Mm -hmm. He will be exhausted from his long tour, but 
But the gang is back together. Hey. (laughs) But yeah, speaking of of Will and I, one thing that Will and I share is that we didn't go to school. (laughs) Or we did go to school, but we dropped out. Taylor, our our young academic here, did go to school. How do you feel about that, Taylor? I feel indebted. (laughs) (laughs) To to the American government or? (laughs) Uh, Just to my, yeah, with student loans. Mm -hmm. Um, And you guys don't have any student loans, do you? No, I I don't. I don't know if Will does, but I definitely don't have student loans. And isn't that just um, an amazing thing? And you know what will, will save you from student loans if you're a young person watching right now and you don't know what to do with your life? Trade school. Assuming that you are you are a handy person or at least a person who can who can learn. But PragerU put out a documentary called Trading Up featuring uh, Mike Rowe and a young woman by the name of Chloe, who we're going to get to know very, very shortly here. And it's about the difference between trade schools and colleges or the university experience and that sort of standard that we've created in American society for everybody to go to college and university. So here's a little clip from that. This is Chloe. Hold on. This isn't the real Chloe, and none of this really happened. I mean, this would have been Chloe if she listened to the usual advice, but the real Chloe chose a different path. This is her story. My name is Chloe Hudson and I'm a welder. I work for Joe Gibbs Racing. I work for Joe Gibbs Aerospace. I build aircraft parts for experimental aircraft and I also build race car parts for the NASCAR race cars. I get to do my dream job every single day. I get to end my day fulfilled. I get to build these awesome parts and change history, be a part of changing history, you know, be a part of changing race history as they progress with cars, being a part of experimental aircraft and how it changes history. My journey didn't start off as me always wanting to be a welder. You know, uh, my freshman year of high school, even before then, I just knew I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be a a surgeon, whether a general surgeon, you know, later in life, I kind of wanted to be a plastic surgeon. Got into a four-year university uh, day after I graduated high school, started that program and hated it and realized this was not gonna be for me. I couldn't do four, six, 10 years of this. So I hit the road and really learned a lot about a bunch of different skilled trades. And I went interviewed for an aviation job. I wanted to build aircraft parts and I went into this interview and I will never forget the day this interview sat me down and he had my resume and I had all these different trades that I kind of got to dip a toe in. And he was like, well, you're a jack of all trades and you're a master of none and I really can't do anything with you. And you want to talk about reality smacking you right in the face, you know? It's like, well, there's the fire that I needed because I'm about to be a master of one. I think that's a good place to end it on Mike Rowe's entrance into the documentary. You can go and check that out by going to PragerU.com. But I wanted to see Mike Rowe. Where can I see him? You can see it at PragerU.com. You can click watch. You can go to short documentaries and you can watch Trading Up featuring Chloe and Mike Rowe. That's great. So. I wish I had that before I went to spent thousands of dollars on my master's degree. <laughs> right. <laughs> I oh. wish somebody had told me about trade school which is why we're telling you about trade school. And a lot of people are commenting they don't think Chloe's real. She's real. Just because she's absolutely gorgeous does not mean she's not a real welder. We will bring her on the show if we have to. We will. If you guys want to bring her on, we can bring her on. If you guys are so skeptical skeptical about a welder that looks like a model, uh, we will bring her on the show. In fact, we were thinking about even filming a vlog where Will and I and Taylor go and try to weld with (laughs) Chloe, which is probably not going to go well for me. (laughs) That was a great idea. It was a great idea. It, It flew out into the ether and then it never happened, but it was a great concept. Well, she's she's not here in LA. If she came to LA, we could do something like that. That's very true. How many of you would like to see Will and Amala try their hand at some trades? Like, I don't know. We could do welding. We could do, what are some other good things? Construction. Um, Amala, I think it would be, right. actually, we're coming out with a new ad very soon, and Amala's got a construction hat. So I do. It's embarrassing. It's a very convincing role. <laughs> You're a natural. I look big, bad, and tough. I look like a construction worker. You see these guns? Wow. Are you kidding me? Look at those noodle arms. <laughs> you got a permit for those? <laughs> Oi, you got a license for those guns? 
as they say in Australia. A license? No, they don't even ask you for a license anymore. They just take the guns away from Straight you. Straight to jail. Taking my guns away from me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to finish up the show today with a series that we do on Thursday called Throwback Thursday. Today's Throwback Thursday investigates the question of this. Do we live in a brave new world? You all know the Aldous Huxley version, the, the book, uh, Brave New World. Do we live in that? Are we currently in that scenario? We're going to find out by watching this video by Academy of Ideas on YouTube. In his 1958 book, Brave New World Revisited, Aldous Huxley wrote the following. If the first half of the 20th century was the era of the technical engineers, the second half may well be the era of the social engineers, and the 21st century, I suppose, will be the era of world controllers, the scientific caste system, and Brave New World. Thirty years prior to penning these words, Huxley wrote his classic work of fiction, Brave New World. Set in the distant future, this book depicts a scientifically managed dystopian society. In Brave New World, the ruling authorities attain mass compliance not through force, but by supplying the masses with endless streams of distracting entertainment and manipulating them with drugs and other technological methods. Huxley wrote Brave New World as a warning. Advances in science and technology, he believed, were paving the way for the type of society depicted in this book. And he cautioned that if a brave new world type of order solidifies, it could be the final or ultimate revolution. The people will have their liberties taken from them, but they will enjoy their servitude and so never question it, let alone rebel. In a 1962 interview at Berkeley University, Huxley explained, it seems to me that the nature of the ultimate revolution with which we are now faced is precisely this, that we are in the process of developing a whole series of techniques which will enable the controlling oligarchy, who have always existed and will always exist, to get people to love their servitude. Oof, good place to pause right there. Loving your servitude. Where have we seen that take place here in America? I think we saw it take place over the past two years with these lockdowns. Yeah, govern me harder, please. <laughs> right? Yes, right. You're absolutely right. Mm. And I, it, it's reminiscent of me as a young person being 21 in America. All the young people who were on TikTok and Instagram and not Facebook, but uh, <laughs> Twitter during this pandemic and during the lockdown saying, I think this is great. I don't have to work. The government pays me. I'm antisocial anyways. Why would I want to go see people? And, you know, I'm, I'm just happy being here with Uber Eats and DoorDash and Netflix and HBO Max. And I'm content. What do I need more than this? Yeah. Why would what do you have to complain about if the government's cutting you a check every month and you can just sit home on your butt and tweet about how racist the world is and just complain about things and watch Netflix and uh you know, hate on Dave Chappelle or whatever. Right. Uh, yeah. What's like they can if they can get you to enjoy that. Why would you concern yourself with a big ideas like freedom or liberty or the Bill of Rights or, uh, you know, America's founding ideals? Yeah, that's that stuff. That's all old school. Look how great we've got it now. That's right. You know, we, it's, it's a new time. This we're, is progress. Yeah, we're enlightened. <laughs> this feels this feels progressive. <laughs> that's exactly what it is. Yeah. And you have you can drink or smoke when you're bored and then you're set. That's all you need. If you enjoy your servitude to the government, why change it? Yeah. And yeah, the fact that it was written in what, 1931 and he was foreseeing this, um, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. That was like pre-internet, pre-social media, pretty much pre-computers. And, uh, you know, well, what are we, 90 years later? Yeah. And uh, it's pretty much coming true before our eyes. I even Prophesied. say like, you know, you talked about being the ripe old age of 21. Mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, we had MySpace. And even then, social media, it was just kind of like a way to like, everyone knew it was like a silly way to like interact online. It wasn't like this uh, 
dominant thing that it is nowadays that it's like all these different platforms are competing for your attention people have their whole livelihoods yeah. um, on TikTok or on Instagram um, girls put their whole set amount of self-worth in how many likes and followers they have on Instagram and it's like a whole different reality now that you know it's more digital we were talking the other day uh, my my brother just had a baby a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and you know ba- like infants these days will have phones with FaceTime shoved in their faces from the time they're newborns yep. and will never know a world that is analog. You know, it'll always be, uh, have screens and like as soon as they're old enough, they'll be using tablets to watch YouTube videos and, t- and this and stuff. it's stuff. not and, normal. No. It's not normal. It's not happening with my children. It's not normal. <laughs> but it's almost hard to to keep it away from and, your children. Yeah, remember the, that we watched uh, a few days ago, was it last week we watched that video of those international trade exchange students? Um, and it's from like the sixties and we were like blown away. They're like 14 years old, but mm-hmm. in their second language, make having like nuanced discussion about yep. uh, politics and, and international relations. And they're explaining their differences in their cultures to each other in such articulate fashion. And now our kids are like, you know, so they've seen a million episodes of Paw Patrol and scrolled through 10 million TikToks. Yeah, and, and they know nothing. Yeah. And their attention span is, you know, three seconds long and yeah. uh, they don't have any ability to think critically. They don't read books. They, there's no empty space in which to just sit and contend with ideas and think about your the world and your place with it. We're too busy. We're constantly, you know, in, inundated with, with media. And I think it's made us dumber and less aware and more vulnerable to be exploited by people who don't do not have our best interests in heart and who do not um, are not interested in our freedom or or helping us to learn and internalize great values and great ideas and live into grand narratives or anything like that. Mm-hmm. They're interested in in getting as much of your time hooked up to their uh, and your eyeballs hooked up to their platform for as long as possible so they can monetize it right. and or worse. Yeah, everything is just an avenue of consumption for them. They want to create a person who is completely subservient to their technology, whether that is, I mean, look at, look at how far there's a documentary you can all watch. And I've, I've plugged it on this show several times. It's called the creepy line, not sponsored. Uh, it's called the creepy line. It talks about Google and the big tech oligarchy and look at how much Google has expanded beyond just being a simple search interface uh, since, you know, its creation. It has expanded into Google Calendar. It has expanded into your email. It has expanded into Google Maps. It has expanded into Google Phone. It has expanded into Google Play. Why? Because those are all different ways for them to amass your information and then use it against you as a consumer. It's different ways for them to get you to consume. Now we sort of view Google as just an entity in our lives because it is everywhere. It is quite literally everywhere. You can't escape it. You can't escape it. And it was not always like that. Again, Google did not start that way. It has grown that way because they know that they can amass your data in more ways than one. Now they amass your data in every way possible. Yeah, but Google, Apple, uh, Amazon, Facebook, all of them are, you know, that that's basically a new oligarchy and it's it's we I think people have no idea mm-hmm. how much how far their tentacles spread into your everyday life and how much every little thing about you, all the data about you is being collected and and uh, they're using that supposedly to I mean hopefully just to profit, but maybe it could even be worse than that. More nefarious uh, motives behind it as well. Yeah, and you know what? What is interesting about this subject matter in particular is this is not a left versus right issue. This is a populist problem. This is an everybody problem. And if if the left and the right united through a shared disdain for corporations and the stealing of our data and the infiltration of our minds, we would be so powerful. But we can't go past, we can't breach our ideology to make that bond, even though we both feel that way. Both sides feel that way in regard to these corporations, yet we cannot get past our ideological holes to to start the fight where it really matters. That's the true fight. Yeah, the fight for its uh, freedom of thought is really at stake. I mean, these companies like Google can manipulate your search results to where if you're searching for... They, there's there's been documented examples of like if you search for um what is it a young black man or something it'll or it'll young white man it'll mm-hmm. show you black people or right, something like right. they they intentionally tailor their algorithms algorithms to push certain political ideas and political ideologies and it's like you this is google you're in control of um what people see on the internet and you have a duty to show them accurate 
things that correspond to reality and instead they're manipulating results and they're changing what you see online. I mean, this is a great time to mention that we have a mini documentary, a short documentary with PragerU called um, Restricted. Restricted, how big <laughs> tech took away your freedom and how they've become the arbiters of what you see online. And if Facebook and controls what you see on your Facebook feed and your Instagram feed, um, and they, they control like the news stories that you see and all this stuff. And the, and the, the tentacles are everywhere and the world that you see online is, is, is becoming a carefully crafted narrative, not just to get you to pay money um, or so get you to stay on their platform so they can monetize you better, but actually to indoctrinate you and alter your worldview and cause you to think a certain way. And yes. uh, and this is where too, I want to mention, like we started this this episode with, with Joe Rogan and um, that is like, we're talking about this brave new world short attention span thing. Rogan is a three hour at a time interview you can't listen to him go in depth with like an expert on epidemiology or an mm -hmm. expert on medicine or a comedian or whoever but having these long form discussions is something that's getting lost in in the world that we live in today and uh i think he's become so popular because he's sort of this oasis for right. where where you can f hear actually people lay out arguments and lines of thinking and be exposed to different perspectives with some nuance instead of two minute sound bites on TikTok or um, CNN. And I think the world needs more of, of that, like re reading books, long form conversations mm -hmm. and uh, growing your attention span so that you're not this brave new world type of brain hooked up to media and never think critically about anything and just be exploited. Right. Let's listen to more. According to Huxley, this brave new world totalitarianism was most likely to solidify in the 21st century. And so in this video, we are going to examine whether Huxley's predictions are coming true. Do we live in a brave new world? In Brave New World Revisited, Huxley wrote the following. In 1931, when Brave New World was being written, I was convinced that there was still plenty of time. The completely organized society, the scientific caste system, the abolition of free will by methodical conditioning, the servitude made acceptable by regular doses of chemically induced happiness. These were coming, all right, but not in my time, not even in the time of my grandchildren. Twenty-seven years later, I feel a good deal less optimistic than I did when I was writing Brave New World. The prophecies made in 1931 are coming true much sooner than I thought they would. The nightmare of total organization has emerged from the safe, remote future and is now awaiting us just around the next corner. In Brave New World, advances in psychology made it possible for the ruling authorities to use mind control to condition citizens from an early age to think and behave in ways that were submissive and conformist. Nearly 100 years after Huxley wrote his dystopian novel, has this type of conditioning left the realm of fiction and entered reality? Today, the art of mind control is in the process of becoming a science, Huxley wrote in 1958. The practitioners of this science know what they are doing and why. They are guided in their work by theories and hypotheses solidly established on a massive foundation of experimental evidence. Oof. There's so much, I mean, honestly, this video deserves its own episode where we just go through it and talk about it. But that is so true. The art of mind control has, it's not even becoming a science anymore, it has become a science. Look at these apps. They hire scientists, psychologists, to develop these apps in a way that keeps you on them, that keeps you consuming on them, that essentially hijacks your mind to where you want nothing more than to be doing this all day long and that's why young people spend more time with so with social media and on their phone than they do even interacting with real people in real life yeah i mean uh I work in our marketing department here at PragerU. That's my background. And I can tell you, I used to work for, for an agency there where we made um, spots that you see on, CN, on CNN in the commercials or Fox News or whatever, and uh, for like fundraising for nonprofits and such. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a whole field in this world called neuromarketing mm -hmm. where they look into and run scientific tests on what is the best image to show you to get your attention and what are the best ways to um, hack someone's brain essentially in order to make their ads as effective as possible and get you to donate or get you to, and it, you know, that's just in the world I was at a toe in. But 
these these um, platforms are doing scientific research to figure out how to hack your brain to keep you on their platform and um, it won't be long and we're already we're already seeing snippets of not just how do I monetize you how do I get more of your data how do I get more of your time to show so I can sell your time to my advertisers mm-hmm. and your attention to my advertisers and sell your data to advertisers but but how can I actually indoctrinate you with the worldview and have you stop thinking um, in a in according to traditions or stop thinking yep. according to um, an open an open world and start making you think the way I want you to think and start making you to believe things I want you to believe and that that is the the more scary part to me is whenever these the people who are behind what you see online are using the power that they have and the to pull levers to get you to see the world a certain way and yep. I do not trust them you know to preserve the way of the ideals of our founders or an ideals of freedom and uh they instead they're they've shown themselves perfectly willing to violate those very things mm-hmm. in order to get you to believe uh what they want you to yeah and i think what we forget is that these these uh technological entities are run by people we can never forget that these are just normal average everyday people who happen to be very very smart when it comes to software and the internet and and development who are essentially claiming their bias, putting it out into the ether for you to find and indoctrinating you. Google has a perceived authority because it's Google, because it has all these apps, because you can't run from it essentially in your life. It is everywhere. So we view it as, as though it has authority over us. It is ju- it's just people. There are people behind it. There are people who created Google. There are people who mm-hmm. are running it right now. It is not some technological entity that is built to give you the best results or or to to filter out truth. No, it's 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 people running and they run on bias and they push that bias towards you. And there's a reason. So when you go on Google and you go on their homepage, Google's homepage has no ads. It just simply says Google. You got your nice little search bar and the space around it is white. Why do you think they did that? There's plenty of ad space on the Google homepage. They could they could shill ads to you all all day long if they wanted to. And it's because having their homepage blank with just their name on it communicates to you subliminally that they are that they are an authority that they feel no need to indoctrinate you or to sell you anything, that Google is simply there for you to consume information, for you to find what you need to find. They're there to serve you. It's not true. They serve themselves. And as soon as you leave that Google home screen, then you're inundated with ads and consumption and their biased internet search results that people can pay for at this point. Yeah, like Amala's saying, there's ultimately it's it's ill-motivated people who are behind these companies that are trying to um, get you to believe certain things or see the world a certain way. And what's the response to that? You need to be smarter than the people trying to control you. You need to you be do. in control of your use of technology and not let your use of technology control you. And so you need to be aware of what these platforms are trying to do and the world that they're trying to persuade to persuade of you and to persuade your children of and you need to educate yourself and educate them of about critical thinking about the free thought you need to know the values that you share independent of what the internet is trying to teach you or what cnn's trying to teach you and really dig in and again i mean I'm not trying to just shamelessly plug Prager you, but this is what we exist for right. is, to, is to try to be a bastion and a place uh, where you can go to find um, counter narrative things, a counter narrative information, counter narrative perspectives that are deeper than just someone who's trying to get profit or someone who's trying to push a new progressive political ideology. And instead mm-hmm. we're, hey, you know, there's there's history here. There's wisdom through the ages that we can cherish and appreciate. And you need to have a deeper worldview that's rooted in something that we won't be swept away by the whims of big tech or, or whomever. Yeah. And remember that there are there are alternatives. Uh, the oligarchy does have alternatives there. A lot of I see a lot of people commenting DuckDuckGo. That's a valid yep. search engine, which I'm not going to place my full endorsement on because I haven't looked into DuckDuckGo that much. But I know a lot of people that do use DuckDuckGo uh, as a preferred uh, alternative to Google. You have cryptocurrency based search engines like Brave that actively give you cryptocurrency while you are using them uh, and that are obviously in the interest of keeping your anonymity and not selling your data uh, as they are functioning on a decentralized market. So there's so many alternatives to using Google. Obviously, not all of them are as as cleaned up as Google is because they have all the money and resource and capacity to give you the best experience, which is also what sucks you into these corporations. But there are options and we should use those options. 
There are. And it starts with just knowing what's going on. And I'm, you know, as we're talking about this, I'm thinking about the, the Jurassic Park problem of, of technology. It's uh, Ian Malcolm on the movie says, you were so concerned with whether you could do this technological adman- advancement that you didn't ask yourself whether you should. Right. And, but that's perpetually the problem with technology. And so people get all worked up and are blaming the fact that technology exists. Um, but re- the reality is you should take responsibility for y- the world that you live in and the world that you can control your life and be smarter than the people, than the technology that's trying to hack you and so that's my advice you know there's and you can use tools like uh what amla is talking about there's mm-hmm. there are people who are see through it and see concerns the, the same concerns that you do and are creating solutions i mean there's other social platforms like uh, locals with, with uh, dave rubin and parlor and other things like that um and yeah i mean support them and and uh there may create a bigger demand mm-hmm. um and start to take some of the air out of these these big companies because right now they have a stranglehold on everything. It's very, very true. I'm on Locals. You can follow me at Amla Benobi. Will's on Locals as well. Uh, yeah, download Locals. Start using that. That's alternative social media that you can use and still get in touch with the people that you know and the people that you love. Uh, and the platform needs to be bigger, and it will be if we start using it and we start creating a demand, as Taylor said. That is our show for today, guys. Thank you so much for watching. I think we'll deep dive in, back into this video again at a later date because there's so much here to talk about. There's so much commentary to give. We got three minutes and 45 seconds into it into this 16 oh, minute video with all of this commentary there's so many things to say the link to this full video is in our uh, description today as well yes so you can check that out yes absolutely go and check it out it, it will make you think uh far deeper academy ideas is a great channel like mm-hmm. prayer you it will make you think and you will learn something and you will be better for having gone to that channel so we, we endorse spons. them we Check endorse them, them yeah. but we're not sponsored. Personally. I don't know if Prager you yeah. doesn't officially It's a personal them. endorsement of Academy <laughs> of Ideas. Thank you guys for watching. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live, 2.30 PST to 5.30 Eastern. If you'd like to listen to us, you can go to Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star review on those platforms so everybody knows that you love the show and that we know that you love the show. If you'd like to get a text telling you when we go live, text live to 41776. That is live Two T O four one seven seven six, and we have a survey that we need you guys to fill out. Someone is- said the survey's done; they, they did it. So thank you. Yes, oh, I send a thank you from the PragerU account. But if we will read some of your feedback and uh, highlight some of our favorite answers on the survey. So yes, if you want to be featured, fill it out. Or if you just love us and want to support us, that's the best thing you can do right now. Yeah, besides all the other things of liking, sharing, subscribing, putting notifications on. Right. Um, the simple ways that basically cost you nothing to, but they. Really really help us out a lot and yes. doing the survey helps us even more. So yeah. thank you very much. Thank you for all the people who commented <clears throat> throughout well. the stream saying you did the survey. We really appreciate it and we hope to get more of you filling that out. Thank you guys for watching. We will be back tomorrow with the one William Witt. Thanks for watching guys. See ya. Bye.